Let us pray. And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? 1 Kings 19.9 When the weight of my journey weighs on me, and the threats from the cynics echo around me, strengthen me, Lord, that I can complete my mission on this earth. Provide me with the energy and spiritual nourishment to make it to the next checkpoint in my journey. I make the conscious decision to ignore the chatter and empty threats and to remember all the magnificent miracles you've done on my behalf. So I say to myself, get up, keep going, because the Lord wants to meet you on the mountaintop of His presence. As you speak, Lord, tune my ears to hear your whisper in the midst of the calamities that seem to be taking place. For it is in the calamity that you'll teach me how to hear through the static and noise of this world. Connect me to my now and my next, as you did with Elijah and Elisha. I will finish strong and get the prize you've set up for me to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Continue listening for an incredible Bible story brought to you by BibleInAYear.com. Elijah at Mount Sinai. In our last story, Elijah put the God of the universe on display against the false gods of Baal. 450 prophets of Baal and King Ahab gathered to challenge Elijah and the one true God. In front of the whole nation, God sent fire and rain down from the skies to prove his power and might. The blighted and unfertile land finally received rain. Now we learn about the witch queen Jezebel. The darkness she carries infects all those around her, and she seeks to take the life of Elijah for making a fool out of her, the king, and Baal. Inspired by the book, A First Kings. Jack Graham here today with another episode of The Bible in a Year. In our last reading, we saw how Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a showdown. It was their false god against the Lord Almighty, God Almighty, the one true God, at a place called Mount Carmel. In the presence of thousands of Israelites, God showed his amazing power, raining fire down from heaven upon the altar while Baal was missing in action. Of course, there was no Baal because he is no God. Elijah then had every false prophet killed, and the Lord finally sent rain to quench the dry land in the kingdom. It was, in effect, a revival. Today, we're going to hear the aftermath of this great victory, how Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel react to what occurred and what Elijah does in response. It will be a reminder to all of us that often the enemy will seek to discourage us and defeat us after great victories. Let's listen today to the story of Elijah, the great prophet. The storms raged relentlessly. Wind and rain beat against Ahab's coat as he made his way back to the palace. Elijah had made a fool out of him. 
More than that, he had slain his prophets. Ahab burst through the palace doors and flung his wet cloak onto the floor. Defeated and ashamed, he entered into his room. The air changed when Ahab opened the chamber doors. The atmosphere was thicker, heavier, and more sinister. To Ahab it was all too familiar. His wife was in the room. There, sitting in the corner, was the witch queen Jezebel. She sat at attention. Authority oozed out of her and slithered about the room. She exuded strength. Only it was the type of strength one feared, not admired. Ahab lay at her feet and told her of everything that happened. The prophets, the sacrifice, the fire, the storm and the bloodshed. Jezebel sat silently as she listened to her husband. Although he was king, he was truly a weaker vessel than she. She stroked his hair and listened to his incessant whining. Jezebel teemed with anger. The wickedness in her heart was aroused at the news of Elijah and God. She stood up slowly. Ahab watched as she paced the room. Lighting lit up the room in an instant, and then the room returned to darkness. May the gods kill me, she whispered. May they kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not held Elijah's head on the tip of my spear. She yelled for her servants and had them send Elijah the same message. The message wrote, May the gods strike me down if I have not killed you as you have killed my prophets. Jezebel's threats were not empty. Elijah knew that there would be no hiding from her vengeful gaze. Terrified, Elijah left his servant and fled to the wilderness. All day he traveled, taking no food, water, or companion. Jezebel desired for Elijah to be scared. She wanted him to be tormented by the idea that she could find him at any minute. It was the fear she enjoyed most. Exhausted, Elijah finally stopped under a single broom tree. He laid there sobbing to the Lord. He had just had such a tremendous victory, and now he was hiding for his life. His body was weary from the day before, and his mind was muddled from panic and fleeing. Elijah lay curled up beside the tree and whispered to God, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. As he prayed for the Lord to remove him from existence, he fell into a deep sleep. A slight breeze trickled in across the wilderness. The sun was beginning its descent across the valley, and the skies were golden and beautiful. Elijah felt a gentle tug on his robe. He opened his eyes to see an angel sitting beside him. Next to him was some baked bread sitting on hot stones next to a jug of water. The angel smiled and said, Get up and eat. His voice was gentle, kind, and foreign. Elijah looked down at the meal, then up again. The angel was gone. Elijah ate and lay back down again. He slept some more, this time through the night. Again Elijah woke to the angel tugging at his robe. Get up and eat, for the journey ahead will be great, the angel said. So Elijah had his fill of bread and water, enough to fuel him for the long journey ahead. After resting some more, Elijah rose. God was calling him somewhere sacred, somewhere only few had been. God was calling Elijah to Mount Sinai. For forty days Elijah traveled, through hills, valleys, and storms, Elijah braved the journey to God's meeting place, the place he had once spoken to Moses. He scaled the mighty mountain and camped in a cave hewn by the wind. There he slept 
and awaited the voice of God. What are you doing here, Elijah? God said. Elijah woke in a panic at the sound of God's voice. He stood to his feet and looked outwards. I have served you fervently, Elijah said. His knees were trembling and his eyes were watering, but your people have rejected you. They break your covenant. They destroy your altars and they kill your prophets. Elijah was flailing his arms now, frantically speaking with God. I am the only one left. I alone am the remaining faithful servant, and now they come after me. They want to kill me, and it's not fair. Go out and stand before me at the mountain, God interrupted. Elijah walked towards the entrance of the cave and stood outside. The vast mountain range was on display before him. He could see the valleys below. As Elijah stood there, a mighty windstorm blew through the mountain. Elijah did all he could to stay on the ground while rocks and trees were ripped from the side of the mountains. The wind ceased, and Elijah composed himself. There a mighty quake came up from the bottom of the earth. The whole of the mountain shook and swayed like a wave. Rocks began to fall around Elijah as he ducked for cover. After this, a great fire blew through a valley below. Yet God was not in the wind. He did not speak through the earthquake, nor was his presence in the fire. After all these acts of greatness, God drew in close to Elijah. All was completely silent. All Elijah could hear was the sound of his own breathing. Then, a gentle whisper, a still, small, and quiet voice. What are you doing here, Elijah? God asked gently. Elijah replied again with a whisper. The winds, earthquakes, and fires had mimicked Elijah's previously panicked demeanor, but now Elijah understood how one speaks with God. I have served you passionately, my Lord, but the people have fallen far from you. They have killed everyone who loves you, and now I am to be next. The Lord spoke to Elijah again, saying, Go back the same way you came. You are my prophet, and I have given you the authority to anoint kings on my behalf. Go to Aram and anoint him king over Syria. Then go to Jehu and anoint him to be king over Israel. Then find Elisha to replace you as my prophet. There will be conflict ahead. Whoever flees from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and whoever flees from Jehu will be killed by Hazael. In all this bloodshed, there will be 7,000 others in Israel preserved who still love me. Elijah was elated to be given a new task rather than stew in his obsessive introspection. He was pleased at the Lord's plan to use the volatility of the nations to weed out the followers of Baal. So he went down and found the young man known as Elisha. He was plowing his father's fields when Elijah found him. Elijah stopped his work put his cloak over him and told Elisha of all that would take place. Elisha would follow Elijah devotedly. Together they would witness the rise and fall of kings and the glory of God. In today's scripture, the prophets of Baal have been defeated and put to death by Elijah. And when Ahab's wife, Jezebel, hears what has happened, she is enraged. It seems clear that while Ahab was king in title, Jezebel ruled the kingdom and her own household. She had previously killed countless men of God, but now this single lone prophet Elijah has humiliated her, and she is out for his life. So she sent word to Elijah that she would kill him that very day. Elijah 
was terrified. Amazing, isn't it, that he would be so frightened after such a great victory when God's power came down on Mount Carmel? Elijah is facing a very evil and crazed woman, an unhinged woman. And she, of course, is able to make good on her threat if she can. And in the wake of what should have been a monumental victory and celebration for the cause of God, things do not get better for Elijah. In fact, they get worse. Now, this is something we need to talk about. It's not uncommon in our lives that after great work for the Lord is done, there will be an enemy attack. Jesus was tempted after his baptism by the devil, for example. And after great victories, we sometimes face more battles. And Satan, the enemy, is always trying to tear down what God is doing. That's why we see here in this passage Jezebel as an instrument of the devil trying to destroy what God was doing. And as God's prophet, Elijah had a target on his back. So what did he do? He ran. He ran far away. And finally, exhausted, he stopped to rest under a broom tree. And in his desperation, he cried out for God to take his life and end his suffering. He's giving up. Elijah was at the end of his rope, and he felt like he could fight no more. He is physically exhausted, mentally undone, and spiritually depressed. I know in life, sometimes we face difficulties and circumstances that weigh us down, and we become spiritually, emotionally, and physically exhausted, even depressed. That's what happened to Elijah. But in the story of Elijah, we find how we can find rest and restoration. God provides for Elijah. He always has. And now he sends an angel to feed him. Elijah eats, and then he sleeps. Then in 1 Kings 19, verses 7 and 8, we read these words. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. God was certainly not done with Elijah, and he would give him strength to meet the responsibilities of his prophetic task. So he sustains him with food for the long journey. He renews him and restores him and takes him to a mountain where God is about to speak to his man. As Elijah camped in a cave on Mount Horeb, God spoke to him, asking why he was there. Why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah replies that he's the only one, he thinks, he is the only one who is truly following God, that the people had rejected the Lord and killed the prophets, and now his life is in danger. It seemed to be just too much for Elijah. But God tells Elijah to stand outside the cave and wait for him to speak. First, there came a great wind, then an earthquake. And then fires in the valley below. One would expect the thundering voice of the Almighty to boom loudly in these moments, but there was no voice, just the noise of winds and earthquakes and fire. Then everything became very quiet. And in the stillness of that moment came a small voice. The Bible describes it as a still, small voice. The voice of God is speaking now in a whisper. And of course, when someone is whispering, you must get very close to hear. While God spoke quietly, the message could not be more clear. God gave Elijah a mission again, and that was to anoint two kings in Syria and in Israel. 
He told him that war was coming to Israel. But then he gave Elijah comfort and a commission. Elijah was to anoint a new prophet, Elisha, who would take Elijah's place and finish what the man of God had started. Finally, God assured this man that there would be a remnant in Israel which would not bow down to Baal, 7,000 who would stand for God. So how did Elijah come out of his deep depression? How did God restore him? He gave him a new purpose. Life must be lived on purpose. And when you have a purpose for your life, you are strengthened to live it. So Elijah departed just as God told him to do and found Elisha just as God had said he would. Together, these two prophets would witness the Lord's doing great and mighty things. We'll hear about that the next time. Dear God, we thank you that when we are at our lowest, when we are discouraged and depressed and even feeling defeated, that you speak to us when we listen. When the enemy comes hard against us, that the battle is yours and that we can trust in you to give us victory. Thank you for your plan for our lives. Thank you for giving us a mission and a commission with others to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Thank you that you always find us when we're at our greatest need and bring us hope again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Pastor Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. Let me encourage you to download the Pray.com app and always make Bible reading and Bible study a priority in your life, along with prayer. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone you love. Let someone know, because by sharing this podcast, you can truly make a difference in someone's life. And if you want more resources from me, Jack Graham, as to how you can grow in your Christian life, then go to jackgraham.org. That's jackgraham.org. God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality.